Pete Beck. Wow, what can you say about Pete Beck? You can say a lot about Pete Beck. You probably say a whole lot. Pete's going to turn 90 this year. Lord willing. Lord willing, yes, Lord willing. Yeah. I think that's right. Oh, that is very ready. Listen to that. Okay. Sorry, I forgot to let them know to hook you up. That was my 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 mistake. I'm st- I make mistakes sometimes. I hope that uh, a pause like this won't take away the anointing I felt as I walked up here. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it fell off. Go back right somewhere <laughs> over there. <laughs> yeah. Go back. Uh, hallelujah. Yeah. He Pete has been such an encouragement to me through the years, and I think to many of you individually can. You know, um, and uh, we actually are going to eat a lot of chicken in honor. We have 90 chickens. Did you, <laughs> did you know? No, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. But I am honored. <laughs> you can have a whole chicken if you want. Thank you. Thank you. Seriously, uh, there all churches go through difficult times, and uh, Pete has always been there to encourage me and to encourage us to keep on rolling, keep on rolling, you know? Yes. I mean, every time you fall down, it's okay if you get up, right? And so he would help me and us get up again, and so we just want to really applaud you and say thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, sir. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. I will have to tell them. Amen. I will have to tell all of you that Jane, would you please stand? Yes. Really. Without her, forget it. Yeah. No, no not totally, but thank you, Jane. Pete? Jane is the love of my life. We've been married 67 years this coming June. And uh, stand up again, please. Uh oh. <laughs> Isn't she beautiful? You should have seen her when she was 17 years old when I first met her. Take your breath away. We have been so blessed in our lives. We've been through some things. Oh, yeah. Oh. What? I forgot the children. Can you let the children know? Children released their time. Children, would you come up here, please, and be released in the name of the Lord? Come on, (laughs) children. Come on. Come on. They get to go to their classes. And they get to go. But hold on. Before you go, I want to pray for you. Hold on. That's all right. Children, come up here, please. All the children and all the ones who are young at heart that are leading the children. Right, right. Okay. What a precious... You're talking... We're talking about wanting younger elders? Yeah. This is your future. Your future. Father, let's bless these kids. They're so wonderful, and 
They're so precious. I wish you could see the smile on his face. Look at that. Hallelujah. You see, they they don't know yet what's ahead of them, so they're real happy. <laughs> Lord, bless them and give them some understanding and, and even at their tender age, some wisdom this morning and let them hear from God in their little classes that they're going to. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed. You know what John said uh, about encouragement and getting up again? Uh, that's, that's really one of the, the themes of my life and something I love to preach on. Uh, got a little feedback. Um, and it's, and it's in the short term, it's called continuing. If you look in your concordance for the word continue or continuing, be amazed at what God has to say. Uh, we're to continue in so many things. And, and actually, that, that's the whole thing is continuing because we all fall down occasionally. Um, we all make mistakes, and that's a euphemism sometimes for sin, <laughs> mistakes. And, and life is, I mean, we don't, we, although he says, my sheep hear my voice, which means that we're not only can hear his voice, but we, we're built to hear his voice because we're his sheep. And, and although we hear his voice, it's often not completely clear. And so we go off on our own tangents and we, we're guilty a lot of times of thinking that we can handle things without his help. And that always winds up in disaster. At least I think it does. And, uh, but he's so loving and he has our best interest Involved in his life, and he never forgets us. He never fails us. And I wanted to use a word that I thought of, or I saw last week, and it kind of prompted this. I was going to share on uh, the Sabbath, the meaning of the Sabbath, but this just grabbed me. There's a, a word in the Bible, and the word is fail safe. Fail safe. Uh, that. That's F-A-I-L hyphen S-A-F-E, and it means, um, the, the, the word means uh, in the dictionary, guaranteed to work. It's a, a word that means, it's like in the military, they inspect the bombs and the guns, and they, they want to have a gun in combat that's fail-safe. My generation in World War II, the old M1s, sometimes they would jam. And if you're in a battle, you don't want your gun to jam. And they try to make those infantry weapons fail safe. So you can even get sand and grit in them, and they'll still fire. And, uh, you know, you, you feel, if you understand that God is fail safe, you can make mistakes and you can fail. You can fail, but God never fails. 
And you've got to, you've got to kind of begin to believe the Word of God that He's with you. And I want to talk a minute about failure and a new way or a best good way to look at failure in your life. How many here have ever failed at anything in their life? Uh, one time. One time? Uh, I hate to look back <laughs> in my life. <laughs> I try When I look back in my life, I try to look at the good stuff that like God saved me out of alcoholism and stuff like that. I mean, we we're, we should be so grateful. We should enter his gates with thanksgiving every morning, every day, and then enter his gates with praise, enter his courts with praise. But, um, you know, do you really believe that it's impossible for God to fail? I mean, really, you can't find one place in the whole Bible where God failed. And he, he's with us. If you're born again, you're in Christ. But you see, we, we, we have two natures right here in a, in a way as we walk through our life. We still walk in the flesh, right? We still look through our fleshly eyes at things and Sometimes uh, what we see overcomes us and we get off the track a little bit. But when you're born again, your spirit becomes alive and you're able to see through spiritual eyes. And so that allows you to make a choice every day whether to follow God or not. He says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me daily. And that's a battle. All the rest of our lives we're in a battle because the flesh is over here pulling one way and the spirit is over here pulling the other. And we, now that we're born again, we get to choose. I am going to look with spiritual eyes. I'm going to look at what God has said in the Bible. And I was talking to a, uh, my brother here this morning, and we, we both agreed that no matter how it looks to us in the, in the natural, we are blessed. And the reason we're, we can say that is because I may not feel blessed, but God says I'm blessed. Can you say amen to that, or am I just talking to the wall here? <laughs> we are blessed. Whether we, whether we know it or not, if we belong to Christ, we're blessed. Psalm 119, verse 1. Those who walk in the way are blessed. Are you walking in the way this morning? Now, sometimes we don't walk in the way and we get messed up, we fail. But God loves us so much that he's willing to pull us out of that failure and we can pick ourselves up and go on in Christ and that's called being picked up and walking and continuing, right? Um, it's important that we really believe that Christ loves us. We really have to believe that, not just when things are going well. <laughs> um, there's a, a scripture here that I want to just give you, and then I'll be mentioning it during a story. Um, it's uh, Luke 22:62. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. 
Peter remembered, it says, the word of the Lord, how he has said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I would say that that was a tremendous failure looking at it in the natural on Peter's. How many times have you thought about that? Peter denied Christ in front of witnesses. And I haven't ever done that, but there's been times in my life where I've felt like I failed Christ so much or failed my wife or failed my children and at the end of my alcoholism, I sat down one night in Charlotte and I actually wrote out a suicide note. I was so deeply felt like a failure. And I thank God today, I mean, I've, I have a positive spirit. I, I'm happy. He pulled me out of that. And he, you know, he loves me. And I, I, I claim that I don't care how it looks today or what I'm going through I know in my spiritual knower that Christ loves me and he's with me and and he's going to pick me up as long as I believe that okay so the whole story here and 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 this is the way to look you know in in the early part of chapter 22 Jesus was talking about his impending death, and uh, Peter made this statement. He said, I'll not deny you. I will die for you if necessary. Now, a lot of us have that self-confidence. In other words, that uh, I can do it, Lord. I'm going to be there, and I can stand with you, and I can die for you if necessary. And that's when the Lord says, well, Peter, he says, uh, I'm going to cure you of your self-reliance. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking like I think the Lord thought. Now, He says, you're full of self-reliance. You think in your own strength you're going to be able to stand in the, with me even when they come and get me. You remember Peter cut off the ear of the high priest servant? And then Peter ran like a dog. But the Lord says, okay, Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And I bet you Peter said, oh, no, I won't ever do that. See, a lot of us are full of this idea that we can serve God in our own strength. And he wants to take a lot of that out of us. So it's my interpretation of all this story that the Lord allowed Peter to fail to show him something. It wasn't that Peter... I mean, Peter took it as a failure, but our perception of failure in our own lives a lot of times is wrong because the Lord is letting us fail in order to teach us something. And Peter, later on after, you know, he went out and wept bitterly. It's okay to do that. He sensed this tremendous failure in his life. But if you look at what happened afterwards, Peter met Jesus on the shore, and Peter said, and the Lord said, I'm not mad at you. I'm not looking at your failure. Go feed my sheep. Do you love me? And Peter had something taken out of him. 
He was not so bold anymore. He said, you know I love you. Do you love me? Do you really love me? Lord, I don't know whether I love you or not, but you know I love you. And so then afterwards, Peter became the spokesman on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 were saved. What an anointing. See, that Jesus didn't take away anything. He was just, what Peter perceived as failure was a lesson from Christ to bring him into a greater place. And I want to ask you this morning, can you look at failure like that? Can you continue in Christ? Can you, can you let him pick you up and can you look at favor and, and failure and, and hurts and things like that in your life? Can you say, instead of poor me, can you say, Lord, what are you trying to do here? What am I supposed to learn through this failure? Perceived failure. We think we failed and sometimes it's not that at all. It's the Lord trying to bring us to a higher place. I got a little story here I'd like to tell you, and it's it's about, uh, I don't want to make anybody here mad, but this is about Alabama football. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Wallace Wade in Durham, up where near where I live in, in around, it's in Durham, North Carolina, you know where that is. The Duke Stadium, football stadium, is called Wallace Wade Stadium. Uh, it's named after one of the greatest football coaches in history. Uh, Wallace Wade was, first of all, coach at Alabama back in the early days. Uh, I'm going to read this because I, it's, you can say it better than I do. Wallace Wade's early success at Alabama set him up for an inevitable failure. Wade was 31 years old when he arrived in Tuscaloosa in 1923 to take over the Crimson Tide football program. He went 15-3-1, 15 wins, 3 losses, and 1 tie. In those days, they, they tied the game. They didn't have overtime. Uh, his first two seasons. In 1925, he made history when the undefeated Tide became the first Southern team to play in the Rose Bowl. Now, as an added uh, thing here, my, my father and my mother met at Alabama, and they were there during this time. And I met my wife in Alabama in the, in the soup store, we called it. Uh, back there in 1949. So this, I'm familiar with this story because my mother and my father told me this when I was real little. But anyway, All-American quarterback Pooley Hubert scored one touchdown and hit halfback Johnny McBrown, Alabama's first national, true national football star. Johnny McBrown became a movie star in Westerns. Have you ever heard? Yeah, you've heard of him. My mother dated Johnny Mac Brown <laughs> once. <laughs> and I thank God she, she didn't go any further and met my dad. 
because Johnny Mac Brown was a football star, but I don't know much else about him. Um, Johnny Mac Brown with a pair of scoring tosses to, to pace the tide to a 20 to 19 win. The outcome shocked West Coast fans and reporters and gave Alabama its first national title. 1926 squad was also undefeated. Made another trip to Pasadena and tied Stanford 7 to 7. The tide thus went into the 1927 season, having ripped off 22 straight regular season wins. When the team went 5, 4, and 1, though, the next year, the grumbling began. In Alabama, if you don't win them all, grumbling starts. (laughs) It only increased in the 1928 and 29 squads went both 6 and 3. The truth became obvious by having such unparalleled success early on, Wade had created his own impossible act to follow. So obviously heard the mounting criticism and was affected by it. At the end of the 1929 season, he announced that he had accepted the head coach job at Duke University in North Carolina but that he would not start there until 1931. He had a contract to complete the 1930 season at Alabama, and he would honor it. Now, can you imagine that in these days? He, he felt like he failed, and the perception of failure was completely, uh, a, a, what's the word I want? It was pushed by all the fans, you know, a coach can have a bad season in football and maybe two in a row. And witness, I don't know how many of you follow football, but coaches were fired all over the Southeastern Conference this year because they didn't win. They didn't have a winning season. And can you imagine that feeling of failure that a man must have? I mean, I, I pity for Poor uh, Butch Jones of Tennessee. They, the the press and the fans and all, they beat him to pieces. I mean, he he must have walked out there with his tail curled between his legs, in total defeat, and nobody's offered him a job, and yet he's a good coach. Well, the uh, he uh, 1930 team may have been Wade's best because. The, the year he stayed that to fulfill his contract and be an honorable man, the tide went 10 and nothing, crushed Washington State 24 to nothing in the Rose Bowl, and won another national title. After the season, though, his head held high, he moved on. Now, I just want to say, give you some statistics to show what can happen if you if you perceive failure, but at the same time go on and move on and continue. Uh, Alabama, he was there eight years. He, his record was 61 wins and 15 losses, three national championships. But he perceived failure because he had those two bad seasons. Then he went to Duke and he stayed there 16 years. They named a stadium after him. And his record there, although he never won a national title, 
It was 110 wins, 36 losses, and seven ties. Which it, he's a Hall of Fame coach. And my point here is that failure is generally generated by expectations. One of my favorite scriptures is when King David said in Psalm 62, 5, he said, Be still, my soul, my expectations, my expectations are from the Lord. Our expectations are going to be disappointed. Our expectations of ourselves. Peter stood there and said, Lord, I'll never fail you. I'll die for you if necessary. And Jesus was laughing inside. I'm sure he said, no, Peter, before the cock crows one time, you're going to deny me three times. And see, Peter's self-confidence was it, it led he, he he experienced a failure perceived failure but just like this coach who went on to greater things he plowed through that expect that favor that failure thing that he had and he went on to a greater life can we do that in the lord can we can we get up from our failures perceived failure uh, failure is usually defined by expectation. Wallace Wade's career at Alabama was certainly not a failure, though his team's perceived failings led him to leave. I, I love baseball. Uh, if you can hit 300, an average of 300 in baseball, you're a Hall of Famer, and consistently over the years. And yet, yeah, that means that seven out of ten times you failed. So think about that. Seven out of ten times you go to the plate, you have an out or miss. But three, three out of ten, you're a Hall of Famer. And so, you know, you have to have that, that toughness in you to be able to move on and so forth. We are often ourselves our harshest critics. We beat ourselves up over failure. And a lot of times the Lord is simply wanting to push us on further. I had uh, a church. At one point we had 600 people in that church. I had a pastor there 22 years. I had about 20 of those years where I could do nothing wrong. Everything I touched turned to gold. I had men, elders, things. We had a wonderful worship team. And all of a sudden, I couldn't do anything right. I don't know what happened, but people began to come against me. Not all of them, 90% of them was there, but the 10% that did come against me and started criticizing me felt like, a mob, and uh, I didn't. I was uh, self-conscious. I, I can look back now and see that I was not as mature as I should have been, and I began to feel like a failure. And this is the second time in my life. And I told you about the time I wrote the suicide note. And so I began to defend myself, and I began to 
judge other people. I began to feel like, God, I'm a failure at being a pastor. And I resigned and left the church to a man who now has taken it to a higher level. Uh, he's done some great things. He's a, a wonderful pastor. My church, ex-church, is thriving. But I went into a depression, and uh, I, was, I felt like such a failure. It was one of the darkest times of my life for about six months. I was in deep depression. And the Lord suddenly spoke to me one day, and he said, I needed to do that so that you would not. He said, your identity had become being pastor of that church instead of being my son. And being of the DNA I am and the nature of my DNA, I'm, I'm a positive person. But I went down, and then I began to come right back up. Neil and I started Master Builders. And I had a lot of connections around the world, a lot of friends. And the Lord lifted me out of that. And I can honestly say to you now that my life is more rewarding, more I have more happiness than I ever had in my life. And the last 23 years since I gave up my church have been the happiest, freest of my life because in, uh, it, what I perceived as failure was the Lord dealing with me to bring me to a higher place. And, and, uh, and that's what, thinking about these things. So if you're walking with the Lord and you really believe His promises, you can say, I'm fail-safe. I am guaranteed to win. Amen? Amen? You, you don't... Yeah, you're going to go through some things. And like Peter, you may misunderstand what the Lord's doing with you at that moment, and you may go out and weep bitterly. But the Lord is with you. His pro he said, I will never forsake you. Listen to what it says in Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this and the following scriptures. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you. Man, I love that. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil. Lord's got nothing in mind for you except the very best. He loves you. And, and, and we sang. I, was, I sat there and I said, Holy Moses. <laughs> John's got picked out songs that are enhancing what I felt like I wanted to preach about. He loves us. You know, I don't think we believe that all the time. Just like I don't think we believe we're blessed. <laughs> I see faces that aren't happy. What's going on inside? I mean, yeah, there are times of stress in our life when we probably feel like crying, but generally we ought to be the happiest people on the earth. We ought to be the happiest people. We ought to be have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. 
even when we're crying. <laughs> There's times when you feel like crying, but buck up and say, I'm continuing. Hallelujah. I'm, I know that Jesus is for me. He's for me. He thinks thoughts that are of peace and not of evil to give you a future to give you a future and an inheritance. I love to, I, I want to believe that. I, I really do. I, I know that before the sun's down, I may get tested on this message. <laughs> I think the Lord a lot of times tests us with trials and things to say, do you really believe what you're talking about? It's easy to say, I believe God. But then when the smack comes, uh, can we also say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me? Yes. David had, had a, was a man after God's heart. David understood God. And what I'm trying to tell you is you've got to understand that God loves you. And when you're failing, you may be at the very peak of the greatest blessing of your life. One other quickie, and I'll quit. Over in, uh, uh, let's see, I want to be sure I get this. Uh, oh, yeah. Romans 8.28, I don't want to leave that out. <laughs> we know that all things work together for our good. You believe that? They're not always good, but they work together. And we kind of spiritualize that sometime and think that's for later on. But you know what? Even failure can be for your good if you look at it that way. That's the message I'm trying to give you here. In Genesis 26, one of my favorite stories, I preached on it many times. I call it Dig Another Well. And you'll find there that Isaac uh, was going along and he was trying to dig out the wells that his father Abraham had dug. And Isaac would walk and dig out a well, and Philistines would come right behind and fill the well back up. And Isaac dug another well, and they filled that up. And Isaac dug another well. You can read that, Genesis 26. And he dug another well, and it says, finally he, found, he dug a well, and it, they didn't fill it up. And he had water. Well, my thought there is that you're stupid if you're digging a well and don't think there's water there. Right? Why in heaven's name would anybody dig a well if they weren't 99% sure water was down there? I mean, have you ever dug a well? Nowadays, you just hire a guy to come in and dig. But in those days, digging a well was a hazardous, hard sweaty job. And some of those wells were 70, 80 feet deep. You get down there and you look up and you think you're about to die. <laughs> so my point here is that when you, when you experience failure in something, you, if you're walking with God and if you've heard God, you keep going by faith that's, hey, man, there's got to be water there. I'm going to keep digging that well. 
And if you can develop that attitude in your life, which after all is just believing that God's with you, isn't it? Just believing God is with you. And you can smile in the face of adversity and keep going. And that's, I like, you know, one I love many, many things about John Makinson. But I don't think I've ever seen you crying in your beer. <laughs> That's an old expression. <laughs> you are always happy. If you're if you're not, you sure disguise it pretty well. Do you, you watch John do worship up here? I mean, you can't help but get into worship. There's nothing mechanical about it. He's enjoying the Lord. And Kathy, too. Kathy's beaming and smiling the whole time during worship. Do you notice stuff like that? There's nothing, it's nothing but joy. And it lifts me up. If it weren't so far, I'd come down here every Sunday just for the worship. <laughs> Makes me feel good. So, hallelujah, I'm about to finish now so we can eat that 90 chickens. <laughs> Peter was restored and preached in Acts and led the church forward. Uh, Proverbs 24.10, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Amen? Why would you faint if you believe that Christ loves you? If you believe that Christ is with you, that Christ has your best interest, that his thoughts toward you are peace, that he has a plan for you in your life. Do you know that Christ has a plan for you? Proverbs, a man thinks of his own way, but God directs his steps. Do you believe that God directs your steps? How can you fail? You can fail temporarily, but you can't fail. And that's the meaning of the word fail-safe that I started the message with. One other scripture, and then I'll pray for you and let you go. This is one of my favorites. It encourages me. Second Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. And if I'm in Christ, and according to the Word of God, I'm in Christ and he's in me. We're buddies. We're buddies. He's going to hold me up because he loves me. And even when I royally mess up, he still loves me. If he loved me when I was his enemy, I know according to Scripture he loves me more now. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to follow him. And when I get knocked down, I'm going to get back up again and say, Hallelujah, here we go. Lord, bless me. I'm blessed. Amen. Amen. Father, encourage us because I know these days now are, are going to be very difficult. We're in one of the, as, as the, the book Dickens wrote, the Two cities, these are the best of times, and these are the worst of times.
And Lord, they're the worst of times for those who don't know Christ. And they're the best of times for those of us who know Christ. We live in the most exciting time in the history of the world. We love you, Jesus. We trust you because you are faithful. We trust you, we love you, and we, we walk every day in the knowledge, spiritual knowledge that you love us. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Keep us. We love you. In Jesus' name, bless this church. Fill it in the next year or two before you come with faithful people. Encourage this church to move forward in God despite the foibles of human beings. You're the only person who we know, Jesus, who's perfect. Nobody in this church is perfect. We all fail. Help us to realize your love in a different and grander way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Like that? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Amen.